Hello and welcome into the Bird's Eye View podcast. We are here on Wednesday, November 22nd. We got a super special episode for you today. Ethan Diamandis, Blue Jays writer at Yahoo Sports Canada, will be joining us to talk some offseason. I'm Zach Warden here with Jory Negan Schechter. Jory, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Yes, indeed, an excellent conversation we just had with Ethan just now. Really uh, interesting insights from him, not just on the Blue Jays offseason plans, but uh, perhaps a bit of a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, super fun analysis from him. Uh, he, he really snapped through our our questions there. We did a little fun this or that segment with him. So uh, yeah, without f- further ado, uh, here's our chat with Ethan. All right, we are now joined by Ethan Diamandis. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking out the time today. Uh, how's the offseason been treating you so far? Not too bad. I was just <clears throat> talking about uh, talking to you boys about how this was the first time I've been hit up for uh, a podcast appearance, a radio appearance, anything. So it's a reminder that uh, free agency is going to heat up and that spring training is not too far away. Yeah, perfect sign of the the hot stove heating up. Um, certainly heated up today with uh, John Morosi tweeting out, uh, kind of uh, putting some fanning the flames on the Bobachette to the Cubs rumor originally reported by um matt cozy of locked on cubs uh, who apparently had heard that the blue jays and cubs are discussing a Bo bichette trade where they would move him to third base um perfect time to have you on i guess to discuss this what what are your kind of thoughts on on a potential Bo bichette deal do you think there's any chance that the jays are are really looking into moving him it doesn't make any sense for them to move him i think the blue jays have identified this sort of competitive window um, that ends at the end of 2025. And I think they're committed to that. Um, and I, it doesn't make sense to, to, you know, subtract from the roster that you have right now. So we know that at 2025, uh, Vlad's free agent, Bo's free agent, Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson, Tim Meza, a lot of the boys are gone. So I think that's the competitive window. I don't see why, I don't see a situation where the Blue Jays would actually get better in 2024 by trading Bo Bichette. I mean, he was without a doubt <clears throat> their best hitter. And you think about all the moves the Jays are trying to make. So let's say they're chasing Matt Chapman, for example. You might take some hits on his contract down the road, but you're still a better team in 2024, right? So I think that's what they're chasing in the interim. And Bichette at third base, um, I, I don't like that as a defensive fit, but at that point, I suppose it's the Cubs problem. Uh, but to me, it doesn't make any sense. And, and Bichette is just so integral uh, to how this offense operates. And I have seen him make strides on defense too, I think. He's Toronto's shortstop of the future. And to that end, uh, if the Jays had a chance to sign Vlad or Bo, I think most Blue Jays fans would say Bo. So um, don't I don't give much credence to that rumor. I mean, maybe maybe it's true, but it would really surprise me if the Jays were actually shopping Bo Bichette. Obviously, in terms of competitiveness, you know, it's not ideal to say the least. But do you think maybe a team like the Cubs, we know we know the Blue Jays and their front office really values things like team control, things like outfield defense. Do you think maybe they're eyeing up a guy like a, a PCA, a Pico Armstrong or, or something like that? Do you do you think it would just it makes no sense in terms of the, the competitive window? Yeah, the, I mean, think about how the Jays are kind of built now. I mean, we'll see how many veterans they add, but I mean, like George Springer's not getting any younger. He's not getting any better. Um, you know, Danny Jansen could very well, you know, walk at the end of this season. Um, I guess we'll see who they fill uh, the center field and left field gaps with. But, you know, the rotation, again, not getting any younger. Chris Bassett, Kevin Gogman, 
It really, it doesn't, it just, if the Blue Jays were, for example, if they really didn't believe that they could be contenders in 2024, let's say they were like the Cincinnati Reds, right? Like a team that had kind of, they were kind of on the fringe, a little bit in between. Then maybe you make a deal on someone like Bichette. You sell high knowing that, you know, you can get a lot for him because he's got, you know, two or three more years of team control. But to go and then trade Bichette for, like a guy who could blossom into Bichette eventually. I mean, it, it to me, <clears throat> it, it it doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, and the the Jays need Bichette's offense. I mean, he does stuff that basically, in terms of his bat to ball ability, you know how much he swings and, and the pitches he can make contact with. He does stuff that no other hitter in baseball can do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want to trade a guy like that, especially if there's not an immediate kind of gargantuan return that makes uh, the Blue Jays better in 2024. Consensus this offseason has been that the Jays are, of course, looking to do something big. And whether that comes, you know, via trade, I, I it sounds like maybe in a free agent edition, a, a trade edition. But what are the odds that something big that they can do is kind of an unexpected deal that we might not be expecting, kind of like a Bichette deal? Like, is that is that kind of the something big that we might not see coming? Or is it more on on the addition side like free agency kind of dealing from from their prospects to try and add add somebody to make the team better yeah that would make the most sense to me i think the only guy in terms of a surprise trade from major league talent i think to watch is alec manoa i think he's the the one guy that you know given <clears throat> all right so you can say you're selling low on him but a lot of teams will look at an opportunity to buy low on him and they'll look at the team control and they'll say hey listen this guy's not too far removed um, from an AL final, Cy Young finalist season, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I think the Blue Jays could very well make a move like that, right? They have the rotation depth technically. I think they're still going to go out and try and sign a a swing man um, or a fifth start. Like a Ross Stripling is always the swing man comparison because he spent some time in Toronto, but like an Alex Wood, for example, a guy that can pitch in the fourth and fifth slot if you need him, can also throw out of the bullpen. Who knows how you say Kikuchi will do. So uh, there are a lot of variables I think it's ultimately more likely that the Blue Jays, A, they go in and try to splurge in free agency. B, they trade from their prospect system. So, you know, Alan Roden, uh, you know, maybe Ricky Tiedemann, maybe Relvis Martinez, we'll see Addison Barger, that kind of stuff. And then three, if they're going to trade anybody, I, I think it ultimately it will be Alec Manoa, though, you know, Ross Atkins, uh, as wishy-washy as he can be sometimes, I do believe him when he says that um, Alec will be back and competing for that final spot uh, in spring training. Very interesting spring training, but yeah, to answer your question, I think it would go in that tier. I think it's most likely the Blue Jays spend a free agency, then trade a prospect, and then third, perhaps they trade from the major league roster and a guy I'd be looking at is Alec Manoa. So, so how surprised would you be in that case? I mean, we talked about Manoa, but realistically, he wasn't an enormous part of the 2023 Blue Jays how surprised would you be if, you know, they they maybe brought back a Matt Chapman and and functionally ran it back with a couple of maybe smaller pieces? Because I don't know if fans would be happy with that. Fans certainly wouldn't be happy with it. But from what I gathered at the season ending av availability with Ross Atkins was like, listen, guys, like we, if we had an answer to why the team wasn't hitting, you know, we would have changed something. We would have told you guys like it was just regression by everybody all across the board and you can point the finger at hitting coordinators, hitting coaches, you know, roster construction, lineup construction. But just at the end of the day, this Blue Jays team, you know, 
or are they better than 2021, better than 2022? Maybe, maybe not, but at least very comparable. And they just didn't produce. Like there were a lot of guys that had down seasons. I mean, George Springer, like what the heck happened? Alejandro Kirk, no power. Matt Chapman, you know, he's getting his flowers at free agency as everyone's kind of putting him in the top rankings and talking about how he was, you know, third or fourth in the AL in doubles. And, you know, he was a four and a half war player, but Blue Jays fans who watch every single game, you know, Matt Chapman might've been on the top of their hate list, hit list, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, you know what? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, hate the Jays for running it back completely, but I think this is an instance where you're now facing, what is it? Six consecutive playoff losses, right? They've going back to 2020. So some something's got to change it. I don't think it is as it's, it's very complicated because when you're in a situation where everyone regressed, it's really hard to figure out where you need to add. So like the obvious addition would be like, Hey, we didn't hit enough homers. We need to go and get a Jorge Soler or a Teo Hernandez, go get those guys. And now we'll hit more homers. Well, you don't know how this regressed lineup will bounce back. Maybe, you know, Chapman swings the other way and he hits 35 home runs, but he bats, you know, 185. Right. So it's complicated. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate on the Jays, um, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint for running back basically the same team, but I don't know if the fan base would care too much for that. We, uh, we kind of had that we've had the debate so far this off season as to, you know, how, how the blue Jays go about team building, right. Whether, you know, they've obviously set up their core with Vlad, Bo Springer, Kirk, and then they tried to build around those guys and all with all of them, obviously Bo not included in that group, underperforming in 2023. Obviously, it didn't work. Although the additions that they brought in um, really were great for the team this year. So, I'm. Do you think that it's like this off season is where they start to deviate from that plan and really try to add something to the core? Or do you think that it's more likely that it is going to be kind of a run it back and and bet on those guys bouncing back? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, I just, in terms of free agency, I just don't really see many opportunities for them to at least add through free agency a guy that, you know, contributes to the core, unless, you know, you're you're dropping a buck on Cody Bellinger or somebody like that. For example, I think it's a little more likely in free agency that the Jays chase the fringes again to try to plug a hole here and there with, you know, Jamer Candelario, you know, like I said, you know, Lourdes, Teo, maybe bring one of those guys back. I think... Toronto's opportunity to make a big swing and add to the core was last offseason um, when they had that, uh, you know, that surplus of catchers could have gone a lot of different ways. They ultimately went with Dalton Varsho as a guy that, again, with team control that they saw, they said, hey, listen, this guy's going to be a part of our core. Even if he doesn't, you know, take massive strides in 2023, he's going to be here for 24, 25 and 26. So, um, you know, obviously the Blue Jays hope would have preferred that Varsho had more of a successful season in 2023, but I, I think he's now a part of the core. I think, like I said, I've talked a few times about this competitive window that ends in 2025. I think what you see is what you get. I think the Blue Jays love the guys that they have. Um, and, you know, barring, you know, a Bo Bichette trade or an Alec Manoa trade, um, I think the core is, is kind of here to stay and it's locked in. And then anything else that's added is kind of an auxiliary piece. Like to your point, um, Zach, like a Brandon Belt, or a Kevin Kiermaier, just a guy you drop in, you know, pray that he gets an OPS above 750 and, and you take it uh, any way you can. So that's kind of the way I see it. Um, but who knows? I mean, if they do want to deal 
Ricky Tiedemann or Elvis Martinez, then maybe we see a, a more substantial addition. But I think the core is probably locked in. All right. Well, we have a a fun segment, I guess we'll call it. Uh, we got our this or that for you. We got about uh, six or seven scenarios uh, set up here where we'll uh, we'll give you two options and you got to tell us who you prefer, whether it's, uh, you know, a free agent, uh, a prospect or uh you know, kind of just pick between the two options for us and then give us a little explanation why. Okay. Um, you know, got, got to start with the elephant in the room, Shohei Otani, of course. Uh, Shohei Otani, this or that. Blue Jays jersey when he signs, new blue, classic blue. Um, Just kidding on that, uh, of course, you know. But uh, reality or not, Shohei to the Jays is a potential option. No, it's not a reality. doesn't make any sense. I mean... I know it comes down to how comfortable the Jays are pushing, pushing, in my opinion, this is just one of my theories, how comfortable they are pushing the luxury tax beyond 2024 and 2025. Um, I get the sense that a Vlad contract or a Bo contract is looming. Plus the Jays have to cope with, you know, the back end of the Springer deal. Jose Barrios becomes a little bit more expensive in the later years. Kevin Gosman will, will be up, but like the Blue Jays going to drop five hundred million dollars on a guy who can't, you know, can't pitch right now, and I would have serious concerns about him ever pitching again, uh, at least you know, consistently and and you know throwing anywhere upwards of one hundred and fifty innings a season, which is what you need from a starter. Uh, so no, I, I like the idea, and I think if you've followed the blue Jays for a while, I'm sure you guys have obviously, you know, teams like to agents like to kind of leak the Jays as like a little, little, Hey, you know, the Jays are also interested. And then everyone, you know, tries to rile up their offers and do that kind of stuff. So like the Jays were mystery players on, you know, Juan Soto, they were, you know, mystery players on Jose Ramirez, like that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think it's possible. It would be so, so much fun. Um, But if I'm the blue Jays and if I'm a blue Jays fan, Oh, I guess you get you get the craze at the beginning, but I don't think you want to tie up five hundred million dollars into a guy who has had two UCL surgeries um, and you know might not pitch again. Obviously, he's an MVP caliber hitter, but it's a lot of money, and I don't think uh, I don't think it's possible. Not uh, not drinking the Kool Aid, which I guess is as you kind of outlined a little bit fair. Uh, the other position the Blue Jays need to fill is third base, and you wrote something pretty interesting the other day about Matt Chapman and kind of the the deliberations and considerations that. The Blue Jays will have to consider. So we pose this to you, Matt Chapman or Jimer Candelario for the Blue Jays 2024 third baseman. It would all have to come down to me contract term, right? So if you're telling me, let's say a hypothetical scenario where it's same term, you know, one year, give me Matt Chapman every time. Um, I Even if Chapman is, you know, the same guy he was last year so, you know, low 700s OPS, you know, only 17 homers, swinging and missing way too much in the zone. I still think the presence he brings, uh, the continuity, honestly, that he brings as a leader in the clubhouse, I think is really important. He's he's a vocal dude. Um, he's a vocal dude. He likes to take control. And I think, you know, up until last year where the Jays did add a few leaders like, like Belt and Kiermaier, you know, it was kind of, it was a clubhouse that liked to listen to veterans. I would say it wasn't like Vlad standing up there, Bo standing up there and raw, raw. They needed someone to kind of just step up and talk. So Chapman's that guy in a one-year scenario. Um, I like his potential. I mean, he's at exit at the top of exit velo boards every single year. Like he just crushes baseballs 
it's a matter of you know how consistent his contact is. Uh, Guillermo Martinez and him have been working a couple of years to try and sort out some swing plane issues. But you know, Candelario, you know, he's a switch hitter, right? Am I, yeah. am I just imagining that switch hitter? Um, you know, not a, a Chapman level defender, but certainly competent. Uh, doesn't quite have the track record uh, of power and success that Chapman does, though he's been swinging the bat quite well the last couple of years. So um, I think it's like, like if you're going to ask me what's likelier, you know, I would maybe give it a like a 60-40 split Chapman, 60 Candelario, 40, because uh, it does seem like the Jays are interested in him and he would be a decent fit. But um, if you're asking me the player I would want, who I think will, you know, be more valuable <clears throat> offensively and defensively in 2024, Give me Matt Chapman. We you kind of touched on it earlier with a potential Alec Manoa deal, but as far as the Blue Jays rotation goes and what maybe would bring more back in a deal, would you prefer a Alec Manoa trade or a Yusei Kikuchi trade? Hmm. Um that's a good one, isn't it? Because I mean with Kikuchi, you can deal him and you, you know, whatever. He can go and succeed. He can throw you know, 180 innings for all I care, right? And, you know, maybe he's a 4-5 ERA, maybe he's a 3-5 guy. I think you you accept the volatility that comes with dealing him, but I just don't think with a say trade, you would get, you know, what you're, what is going the other way is what I'm trying to say. Like, Yusei's ceiling last year was excellent. I mean, he was a guy who was ultimately, you know, their fourth starter, but he could have been a two or a three on, on a, a fringe team, right? He was really, really good. So, expiring deal for him I think if the Blue Jays are adding um, another swingman another starter on top of Manoa for example coming back then I think it's more valuable to have Yusei because he can pitch out of the pen he can do this kind of high velo swingman stuff so long-winded answer but uh, I think a trade of Manoa makes more sense just because I think um, you could get a lot more for him the Cardinals again this is the team I've narrowed in on for a potential Manoa trade I think they have a lot of guys who are very intriguing. Um, Brenda Donovan, Lars Nupar, who I, I'm like hyper-focused on Lars Nupar, but I really don't think the Cardinals will trade him. So Donovan, Nolan Gorman, a lot of these kind of left-handed hitting guys um, that the Blue Jays need in positions that they need. So um, it would be, it would probably, I would think, hurt the front office more, obviously, to give up Alec Manoa, just knowing that He's not even at arbitration yet, right? <laughs> he's probably a little pissed that he got sent down and he missed a Super 2. But uh, yeah, he's not even in arbitration. He's not a free agent until 2028, I think I wrote uh, recently. But yeah, so give me Manoa. It might sting. But I think at the end of the day, uh, if you're looking to build for this year and beyond, you need to give some to get some. And uh, Manoa would be the guy for me in that situation. Before we move on, snap answer because you've got three big Lars Newbar guys here on this on this podcast. <laughs> Let's uh, go. One of yeah. us. <laughs> uh, snap answer: Yes or no? Manoa and Manoa and or Kikuchi, probably more or either of them get you Lars Newbar. Snap answer: Yes or no? Uh, like Manoa plus Kikuchi for Newbar? Probably one or the other. I don't really know if there's a scenario where they deal I, both. I don't even know if the Cardinals would do Manoa for Newbar straight up. Interesting. I don't. I don't think they would do that. I think you would. I think I did like a piece for Yahoo at the start of the offseason um, where I proposed a trade like that. And I think I came down to like it was Manoa and Barger or something for Newt Bar. Like, I think you would need a little bit of a kicker because Newt Bar is like he's already a leader. Like we saw him playing for Team Japan. 
in the WBC. He's a left-handed hitter with power. He plays strong defense and he's under, I think he's under team control, something comparable to Manoa anyways, like free agent in 2027 or something like that. So if the Cardinals aren't willing to trade him at all and you have Alec Manoa who, you know, has potential, but had a five, whatever, 570 RA last year, a 6.0 FIP or something, uh, you're going to need a little bit more. So, and I think if, if you're, if you're the Jays and you're confident on punting on Manoa, I don't think it really stings too much to throw in like a, an Allen Roden or uh, an Addison Barger or somebody like that. And then the other solution as far as finding some pop, because that's what Newt Barr would ultimately bring along with that on base is a guy like Jorge Soler or Teoscar Hernandez. So who would you rather have on the Blue Jays next season if you're looking for some solution in the power department? I would lean Soler just because I, I don't, I could imagine he swings and misses a lot. I bet you he's probably led the league in strikeouts before, but just seeing Teoscar Hernandez last year um, and some of the strikeout to, to walk ratios that he's produced over the last couple of seasons. I mean, the Jays know him well, but if I'm really, you know, let's, if I'm in a situation where I'm signing one of these guys to play left field, defense is, we're not even talking about defense. Like that's just off the table. We don't even care. So <laughs> in that situation, give me the guy that can hit, you know, 45 homers. And that's Soler. Teo, tons of power, again, good exit velo guy. Uh, but I don't know. You guys could check maybe his season uh, or his career high single season homers, but I don't think it's been anything more than the low 30s. Like I, Soler has that sort of uh, light tower power that sort of, you know, he had that run with the Braves uh, to the World Series where he was hitting, he was socking crazy playoff homers. So, um, you know, a guy that can hit in the clutch, we know Teo can do that too in uh, game two of uh, 2022 wildcard. But uh, yeah, give me Soler. I think he's got a higher ceiling. Uh, and just give me a fresh face. You know, we've seen we've seen the Tay Oscar Hernandez show. Let's try something different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as you know, we're 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 throwing everything at the wall as as far as finding power. I know we kind of talked about the bounce back earlier, but kind of looking at that DH spot, would you prefer uh, a Reese Hoskins deal or a JD Martinez deal? Yeah, had Martinez circled. Um, I mean, probably probably Hoskins, right? I mean, he's probably got a better chance of not completely falling off a cliff. Like, I mean. I mean, when's the last time J.D. Martinez played, like, an inning of defense? Like, and not to say that that's what the Jays would need him for, but more as an indication of, like, how is this guy's body holding up? Like, he's a big dude who's played forever. He, you know, runs at a snail's pace. Like, is he going to – is he really going to be a guy that can – I mean, Brandon Belt kind of did the same thing. But, I mean, the Jays got, what, like 120 games out of Belt or something like that. So, I would – Hoskins, of course, tore his ACL – that's maybe something to monitor too, but I would think, you know, he's got to be a few years younger, at least uh, three to four years younger. Maybe. I don't know how old JD is these days. Seems like he's been 34 for the last 10 years. Um, but yeah, I think, I'll think I'll take Hoskins just because he's, he's a bit younger. I do like the idea of either of those guys though. I think the Jays would be wise to throw some cash at a full-time DH. I think just a lot of teams that win have these guys who just, just hitters like, Defense be damned. I think the Blue Jays are strong enough elsewhere defensively. Um, and I mean, look how far pitching and defense got them this season. So, I mean, let's let's mix it up a little bit uh, in that situation. Sure. Let's do Reese Hoskins. Just to your uh, to your J.D. Martinez point about him being uh, up there in age, uh, we put out a series of kind of our ideal off seasons. And uh, I included J.D. Martinez, but described him as decrepit. So yeah. just to your just to your point, definitely no spring chicken. 
you also mentioned a guy, Brandon Belt, that the Blue Jays worked with last year. And there's a couple of guys, I mean, a class of six dudes that are now free agents from last year. In terms of Kiermaier, Belt, Merrifield, Ryu, any reunions that you'd want to see? Not with Merrifield. Um, I wouldn't want to see him back. I mean, if I'm going to pick one, it would be Kevin Kiermaier. I think there he has the strongest chance of repeating his previous season. I think, you know, he he won the gold glove ultimately, right? Yeah, he did. Um, so there you go. Guys coming off a gold glove season in center field. Though I will say that I think Dalton Varsho is a better outfielder than he is. Um, I Kiermaier is, is he's quick. You know, he's again, he's got a strong perspective on the game. He's a leader. Um, you know, he's a fan favorite. He cuts his own promos after games. I, I would like to see him uh, come back if I'm picking any of those guys. After that, it's the options where we said Wit, we said Belt, we said Ryu. Honestly, I don't hate a Hunjin Ryu reunion. I, I mean, at like a one-year term, I just, I'm worried that he would maybe be a little bit too expensive. Like a team, again, like a fringe team would see, or even the Dodgers, for example, would see him as like, you know, in his small sample size last year, he succeeded. I doubt anybody would give him a two-year deal, but like, like what did Kyle Gibson got like one year, 12 million? Like there's a chance Ryu gets something close to that. And I don't think the Jays need to make that kind of signing. So um, yeah, I would go Kiermaier. I don't know about Brandon Belt. I think the Jays might be able to find somebody that they don't have to take just a one year, like pray to God, you stay healthy deal. I think they can, again, do like a, a two or three year deal with somebody like Reese Hoskins, you know, JD Martinez, again, you might have some injury concerns, but like not to the extent that the Blue Jays did with Belt, like that man, Jesus Christ, like he could barely walk at some points this season. And he didn't hit batting practice on the field once all year. Really? He would come into the wow. he'd come into the clubhouse. Like we would show up, the reporters would show up around like clubhouse would open at 3:30. You know, we would do some avails. And then like Belt would just like stroll in in his jeans and huge belt buckle at like 4:30, sit on the couch with no shoes and just play Sudoku for like until the game started. Like he just, I mean, maybe he hit in the cage. I didn't see it. He didn't hit on the field. Like he looked like a man to me that has, you know, he's, he's done his time and he's earned the right to do that for sure. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he retired this off season. Um, and I know he's considering it. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a guy I want to reunite with. So I, I would, I would look for someone who's a fresh face. The, uh, the Sudoku is a very strong 34 going on 74 vibes there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll have no trouble transitioning into retirement. <laughs> I going on to the other side, onto the young side, obviously, you know, kind of this group of prospects that are are close to MLB ready, if not there already, who would you kind of pick as having a bigger impact on the 2024 Jays between Addison Barger, Arelvis Martinez and Alan Roden? Uh, I know that Ross Atkins likes Alan Roden. I don't really know too much. Did he get to triple A last year? Not quite. He uh, finished in double A. Okay. He's got the, he's the weird hands guy, right? Yeah. That's yeah. His, his swing. yeah. Um, uh, okay, so you guys said Relvis, Barger, or Roden. Um, yeah. I'd say Barger. I think he's the most major league ready hitter. Um, you know, he's older. And like Relvis probably is has the most upside, and you'd want to say him, but like Barger is older. I think he's 24 or 25. Like he's either, I think he's a 99 born. So he's, yeah, he's 25, right? Uh, or turning 25 this year. I don't know. I've like he's, I think, got the the energy and the attitude to just kind of to be tossed in there early. He's not a guy that needs too much grooming, too much more grooming in the minors. I think like you can just chuck him in there. 
he's he's confident he's competitive his swing's got some holes in it like he's definitely gonna you know strike out close to like a 30 percent clip um but he's got pop and you can trust him i think at third base or second base somebody like that um i don't know if he'll make the major league roster on opening day but i think he'll be there by june or july and ultimately you know he could be a guy that plays you know anywhere from 80 to you know 100 games for the jays next year maybe yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. He obviously, you know, has has a shot at it, depending on, on what else they do. Uh, last one for you, Ethan, here before we uh, let you go. 2024 Blue Jays over under 90 and a half wins. I'd be interested to hear what the uh, over under was for last year's season. Probably a bit higher. Uh, let's go over, right? Like, I think, you know, the Blue Jays have won, was it 92, 91, and then 89 games over the last three years. So, uh that trend would say two out of three so I, I think the blue jays um will will make enough additions to to give you know fans hope and to give you know the betters hope i suppose uh, i would say over i think the blue jays um can win 91 games easily i mean they could just as easily you know have a tough stretch and win 87 games but i i don't i don't think ross atkins would let that happen this year i think he He's got to understand that, you know, the heat is on and he's going to have to swing a lot harder at the deadline uh, if this team is on the fringe or, or not headed towards 90 games. So, yeah, I would say give me the over. Give me a a, a cautious over. Well, on, on that note, we will uh, let you go, Ethan. Thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate having you on this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we are back. Thanks so much again to Ethan for joining us today. Really enjoyed our conversation with him. You can find his work at Yahoo Sports Canada. He's on Twitter at Ethan Diamandis. Uh, he recently just published uh, not that long ago this morning uh, a piece on if the Jays should trade Alec Manoa, the cases for and against the Blue Jays trading Alec Manoa. So go check that out on Yahoo Sports Canada. Um, yeah, we're uh, let's dive into some of the other offseason stuff. Obviously, you know, we got to the Bo Bichette stuff with him. We got to a lot of uh, kind of interesting offseason scenarios. But as far as stuff that actually has happened so far um, that we haven't touched on yet, Danny Jansen, of course, it re was revealed uh, via the Scotty Mitchell podcast that he, him and the team are not having contract extensions anymore. Um, pretty interesting there like i mean i i guess i get it but but what are, what are your thoughts overall on on them just kind of saying let's see how this last year goes yeah no exactly the the extension discussions sound like they're going nowhere and i mean if you're the blue jays you're probably not thrilled with that divide i don't know how much you're ready to hand the keys to alejandro kirk uh, crazy how the catcher depth has gone from three dudes that you're you know ready to roll with to all of a sudden uh, you've got Jansen about to walk into free agency. But I, I wouldn't say I'm too surprised by that development just solely based on the fact that Jansen, as has been well documented, has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, there's always the talk of, you know, hundred last 162 games, he's got 30 bombs or he's got 90 RBIs or whatever great numbers. But then those take place over the course of like 
36 months. So to me, it's hard to be able to commit substantial money to him when realistically you're probably only getting him for, you know, 90 games, best case scenario, based on what he's shown over the last few years. Yeah, I, I know I wrote in my season or off season outlook that we all put together that that they should extend Jansen. But, um, you know, obviously they have a belief in Kirk. He's he's one of the better defensive catchers in baseball and has has the potential to be be an impact bat. So I, I don't necessarily mind them maybe leaning into him there. I, ju- I just find with, you know, the way that they they built it up, like, you know, you're going to move Moreno to open up this this room for both of them. So I'm I'm a little surprised at least that they shut the conversations down. Well, it's exactly that, right? It it's kind of antithetical to the way the Blue Jays have operated on prioritizing things like team control because for the Blue Jays, you've given up now what, 5 years of team control of Moreno for what ultimately is going to amount to like a season and a half best case scenario of Danny Jansen. You might get 180 games of him if you're lucky. And uh, that might be like all she wrote. 180 games might even be generous. It might even be less than that. So like, I'm, I, I don't know that I would be comfortable extending him. I don't think that to me, you can invest substantial capital in a guy that just cannot stay healthy and especially when you do have a guy that looks like a starting catcher of the future in Alejandro Kirk you know not even waiting in the wings like he's here obviously coming off a poor year but but he he's a guy that you're clearly comfortable running back next year but I'm still just so surprised that they would turn around and and move off such a valuable piece uh, with the understanding that we're only going to keep Jansen for two years and then we're going to let him walk and, you know, work from there as opposed to, again, the alternative is, you know, no Dalton Varsho and maybe you just Danny Jansen hangs around and maybe you deal him for a substantially weaker piece or, or maybe even like Varsho has a down year with the Diamondbacks and, and you trade for him with, with Jansen. Like it's impossible to really say, but the fact of the matter is that you've, all of a sudden kind of muddied your catcher situation when it was so crystal clear, not even 12 months ago. Yeah. I, I I guess I like thinking about it, obviously they don't have a lot of catching depth in the minors. So it's almost a spot where you will have to bring in a backup catcher, I guess to if, if he does walk, but maybe this is kind of a scenario where they're like, you know, I, you prove to us that you can stay healthy and then we'll be okay footing the bill. Even if it does increase over what it might be right now, I guess it's kind of the, the way that the blue Jays would look at it. And for Jansen, it's a great opportunity for him to stay healthy and earn, earn that payday. Right. Cause I would say right now he probably gets a minimum of like 10 million per year, no matter, unless of course, this year goes disastrously for him. I'm I'm thinking he probably gets about 10 million a year on the free agent market, uh, maybe a little bit more depending on you know the the catcher market. Like he'll be he'll probably be the best catcher available if like uh, if not the in the top 2 there. So 
it it doesn't necessarily feel like a win-win for both sides. I feel like there's just so much more upside for Jansen than there is for the Blue Jays. So maybe it's on his side where things did get shut down a little bit. Yeah, you obviously we. But don't then really... also, so, sorry, I, I just like a guy who gets hurt so much. You would want to lock in the money, right? So so yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, like we don't know what each side offered, but if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm not going more than three years with him because. I'm not willing to foot the bill for an injury prone catcher at, you know, into his thirties when, I mean, realistically he's not going to get any better, uh, especially if he's, you know, on the injured list all the time. So I'm not really interested in footing the bill into the distant future. Whereas if I'm Jansen, I'm looking for that fourth year and, you know, maybe a fifth year. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if to me, Jansen prioritized that term and that's what turned the Blue Jays off because I think both sides probably wouldn't be too off on the dollar figure but in the Blue Jays again like begrudgingly you have to end up in double digits in terms of or, or you know eight figures in terms of maybe like the 10 million mark maybe Jansen's like give me 13 but that's not a that's not an unreconcilable difference I think the unreconcilable difference is that I'm assuming that Jansen, given his injury history, is kind of like, lock me in. And the Jays are probably like, we can't. I, I think that would that would probably make the most sense if that's where where the difference was, especially from, from his perspective, you know, locking in that term. Even if he has to sacrifice a little bit of money, I, I think I think probably would would make sense. We've had so many debates in the group chat about what a what an extension or sorry, a Jansen extension would would look like, but uh I guess we we will not find out until next year sometimes. So at this rate, it seems like it. <laughs> yes. Um, other other news in Blue Jays land that we haven't talked about on this podcast is the reshuffling of the coaching staff. Um, Don Mattingly promoted, I guess, to offensive coordinator, but remaining bench coach, uh, Demarlo Hale brought in to be the associate manager. Uh, is associate manager under John Schneider the full title? Is John Schneider in his job title? <laughs> he's he's in his Dwight Schrute era, basically. <laughs> Something is, like that is what he's doing right now. But uh, yeah, never heard of an associate manager before, so uh, cool for him. You know, he's looking after the defense. I, I believe is kind of the the case there, where it's they didn't give him they give Don Mattingly the offensive coordinator title, but they don't give demarlo hale the defensive coordinator title so yeah yeah I, and this is where this is where we all ask who's the wide receiver coach and who's the who's the offensive line coach i mean vladdy at this rate is maybe the offensive. never mind <laughs> billy butler am i right but we'll talk oh about that boy. later yeah uh you know i i think it's interesting the coaching staff stuff where they, you know, talked about reshuffling a little bit. And I think most people thought that meant that there would be like a change or two kind of on the hitting side, but instead they are kind of leaning it's a literal into reshuffling. It's a, it's literally like shuffling the, the, the deck chairs on the boat. Uh, hopefully it's not the boat of the Titanic with Dave Hudgens the the chair t- being thrown out overboard. Yeah. Which again, like how much can you singularly put on him? I mean, a lot of people weren't happy with Guillermo Martinez. I, and I, I'm always of the opinion that, and and my opinion kind of wavers on this sometimes. 
But how much does the coaching staff really affect these guys? You know, you can make swing adjustments and that's obviously where a coach is going to be able to come in. But to me, the data should be there for the Blue Jays and it should be pretty apparent where the Blue Jays' weakness is and what the adjustment needs to be. Sure, there's going to be, you know, this doesn't feel comfortable. Okay, try this. Okay, try this. You know, like a second voice in there. But I just feel like, to me, you can't... You can't be like, I just, I, again, I just, I struggle to see how this is going to change things. I think it was interesting. Like, I mean, talking, talking to Ethan there where he talks about, you know, Guillermo Martinez and Matt Chapman, like working on swing plane stuff. Right. So, so kind of having like the behind the curtains look there. So you can kind of tell like where they're looking And obviously like with Matt Chapman's swing plane, obviously he was getting beat middle, middle. So you kind of want to, change that to, to be on plane with that but uh yeah no I, it would be interesting to kind of be privy to those conversations and and what they're working on with the hitters and obviously they decided that the process stuff that they were working on was was good enough and they feel like Don Mattingly playing a bigger role in that will be a boost to this offense which you know TBD I guess but uh Don Mattingly has never had the most offensively competent teams other than when he was the the hitting coach with the like the 2009 Yankees but uh you know it when you're coaching A-Rod and Mark Teixeira like what what are you really going to do with those guys yeah and it's a different you know it's a different set of circumstances altogether talk about 2009 versus today the the coaching the the str- like strategic stuff I obviously we don't have a behind the scenes look in in quite that capacity, particularly circa 2009, but I can't imagine they were talking about vertical attack angle and things like that. You you think A-Rod was a vertical attack angle guy? (laughs) I think A-Rod was like, I'm so juiced up right now, man. I could really go for some, or I don't know. I feel like steroids kind of raise your voice, whatever. But uh, (laughs) I, um, I don't know. I can't imagine that these guys were talking about that. I can't imagine Donnie Baseball was telling these guys, oh, you need to fix your your quantifiable based on your advanced metrics. And like, I mean, it wasn't happening. Probably still just, isn't happening. Uh, just hearing, hearing A-Rod talk on, on the ESPN broadcasts about, about hitting, I can almost guarantee you that was not happening. So no um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, I mean, again, it's one of those things like you – if if they do well does Mattingly receive credit who knows if they do poorly will Mattingly receive some blame almost certainly so yeah uh DeMarlo Hale though like I mean cool to bring him back obviously part of those 2015-2016 teams um the defensive coordinator uh, associate manager like I mean I I, again like not much to to really say there just kind of cool to see them bring bring in a guy like that who has been there with with the franchise uh yeah i wonder if he's a bit of a uh a bit of a louis rivera replacement because louis rivera was reportedly the kind of infield coach uh that was functionally kind of his role i don't know if it was his official title but i would imagine that there's probably some overlap in terms of responsibilities and Maybe he'll be working closely with Bo Bichette and, you know, whoever the third baseman is next year. Maybe they'll be a big part of his, his, you know, 
projects for next season. So I guess that remains to be seen. But again, a lot of these guys, I feel like when you're a coach, it's kind of the the idea is to almost bring like a vibe. You're kind of like a, I mean, we've talked about, you know, vibes coordinator as a, as a role. And um, I think that anytime you're bringing in a guy, that's kind of like, I was there for the glory days. I, I mean, that's kind of the give and take where it's kind of like, do you, do you want that or or do you want to, you know, move forward and turn the page? So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, another move they brought in uh, Carlos Febles. Febles. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation there to, to be the new third base coach re- replacing Louis Rivera. Uh, he was the third base coach that sent uh, Reese <laughs> McGuire in that that one Red Sox game and the the double play at second base. So obviously that's that's going to be ingrained in your memory. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, you know, I again, like, how much difference does the third base coach make? I, I guess we'll we'll find out that as well. I I can't really say much, but uh, I think it's really funny that he made like made that mistake against the blue jays and then the blue jays were like that's the guy that's the that guy we, that's the guy that we want they were they were talking to him after the game maybe he's just a double agent maybe he was you know like he was already raised, in cahoots he was working that, for the blue that, jays last that year. moment that uh we didn't talk about it in the i do we call them the jay-z's i can't remember what we called them the uh the the bluesies or whatever it was for our award show oh, the birdies the birdies yes thank you the birdies <laughs> Uh, couldn't couldn't remember, but I, that was an underrated moment that none of us, none of us, I think, brought up. But that was an underrated moment of the season in terms of a, just a, a great moment, uh, especially because it was against the Red Sox. That whole Red Sox series, that was the Davis Schneider series. That was where, a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, series. So crazy. Uh, let's move on here. The Zips projections for the Toronto Blue Jays have officially been released on FanGraphs. Looking through it is not the most encouraging thing. Uh, however, interestingly enough, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looking like a bounce back candidate there, 31 home runs. Uh, Matt Chapman, he's at 25, obviously, if, if they bring him back. Varsho at 25 home runs. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at it like uh, 134 OPS plus for Vlad, I mean. You probably take that after last year as as far as, you know, improvements go. Like the 362 Woba is really encouraging from him there. And, you know, just kind of looking through the rest of it. I mean, the Springer one, 110 OPS plus, I think you'd like that to be a little bit higher. Varsho 109, again, that would be fantastic, especially with his move to center field. I think a 109 OPS plus with 25 home runs from him would really be kind of what the Blue Jays were hoping to get from him when they when they made that trade. Uh, other interesting ones. I mean, you know, Bo one twenty two OPS plus, uh, four win season. Uh, this is obviously as far as haters go. Danny Jansen one twenty OPS plus, but uh, you know, like I mean, looking at it, like it's 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 not the huge bounce backs that you'd be hoping from from all of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you kind of put it there, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what to say other than you know, like. The one thing that stands out, of course, is all the Vlad cops. Uh, obviously, Zips is kind of the the cream of the crop when it comes to these projections. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, as far as the pitching, like you're hoping that. I mean, the the Gosman comps nice. The rest of them are 
less exciting. I don't know. I don't know how much I can talk about zips. It's just the Billy Butler comp. It's making its way through Twitter. And what was the uh, Sweeney? Mike Sweeney. Mike Sweeney for Vlad. If if Bo is Billy Butler, man. Oh. If Vlad Vlad is Billy Butler. Or excuse yeah. me. Excuse yeah. me. If Vlad is Billy Butler. Excuse me. If Vlad is Billy Butler, I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle that. I mean, just just looking through some of these, like I'm just going to the what is it to age top near age comps for all these guys. Like, I mean, looking at, let's look at some of, some of the ones that are, that are maybe encouraging, I guess it's, uh, I don't see a I single kinda, one. Here I mean, it's, like, it's kind of all on the pitching side. I guess I see, I see, I see Jason worth, um, for Devonte Brown. Uh, I will admit that I'm not as, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really familiar with, <laughs> Devonte Brown was uh he's an older guy that was started the year with the Canadians and then got promoted uh after a really good start so okay well J- I Jason mean... Worth I guess but he's he's kind of older already so I'm not <laughs> sure if that's really like yeah this is not, this is not great <laughs> this is really not great <laughs> let's let's look into the pitching though because that's that's where things are interesting you know Mike Garp Kevin Gossman getting the Mike Messina comp. That's fun. That's that's fun. fun. Steve Rogers for Chris Bassett is also a pretty fun one. Uh, Expos legend there with uh, with Steve Rogers, kind of a... Alec Manoa the sneaky Sunny Gray comp. Does that give you confidence in in a bounce back there? Or... I I would say so. Listen, like Sunny Gray uh, was super duper washed for a minute there with the uh, with the Yankees, then proceeded to become decidedly unwashed so like i uh, i mean listen like sunny gray is not exactly an ace by any means and he also never had a season with a six like fip but i i think as far as you know where blue jays fans have a guy like manoa kind of slotted you know they're talking about him being a throwaway trade chip because the pitching is just they have guys and he doesn't fit in the rotation, I would I would absolutely take Sonny Gray uh, as uh, as Alec Manoa's career path without yeah. question. Yeah, I mean he just finished second in Cy Young voting, so that's uh, that's only eleven years from now we can count on Alec Manoa being the second oh, place absolutely. Cy Young, Cy and, Young uh, and uh, Chad and I'm excited for Chad Dallas's uh, perfect game. Uh, Fifteen odd years. Honestly, from now honestly, with the, the Chad Michael Dallas, Lorenzen comp, the Chad Dallas comps are are pretty encouraging. Like, I mean, Kevin Gregg and Paul Bird are like decent. You know, like they they were they were decent. Listen, arms like as well. these are these are more bullpen guys than they are rotation guys, but all of them like had solid careers. Like that's a nice to have uh, Chad Dallas kind of like he didn't come out of nowhere. He's a fourth round pick, I believe, in twenty twenty. So one of the few guys in that twenty twenty draft that was selected. Yeah, but I, I'm happy to see three guys that are that you recognize yeah yeah like literally um can, can i also say the uh the mitch white comps are very funny too yeah i was gonna say <laughs> seeing seeing anthony bass in there it's like <laughs> that's certainly a, a comp there um the ricky tiedemann like the if you don't look at the next two columns but the cc sabathia one like i mean you i know, mean listen it's a hall like of fame brett path cecil. like sure brett why cecil, not brett cecil's not the worst comp not the most exciting one either but i was a he was a really excellent reliever for the blue jays that's not what you're looking for tiedemann to be but 
I mean, I'll certainly take those three comps. Well, two comps. Jose Valverde, fun. That's kind of fun for Romano. Like, you know, like a closer that was was really good for a long time. But, but the thing is, too, is we know these guys are good. So, like, I'm not really too freaked out or or anything about these guys having nice comps. Um, you know, it's it's nice to see Gosman get the love there. It's nice to see even a guy like Barrios getting a drawn Don Drysdale comps kind of fun. Uh, and then Tiedemann, obviously the CC Sabathia one, you just start salivating. But uh, but the hitting ones just freak me out. Just even like Bichette's <laughs> comps. Uh, but in like, in twenty years, Bo Bichette's gonna be on Instagram breaking breaking <laughs> news like Carlos Barrega. I mean, at this rate, but um, that's that one doesn't even make sense though because he never played in the majors, so I don't really get that that to age comp for Bo there, but. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I think I think it's just basically like you got to take it all with a grain of salt, right? So, I I guess maybe like his minor league numbers. I don't know. A little strange. Wally Pip for George Springer. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, uh, yeah, George Springer playing like a guy that played baseball before the invention of the smallpox vaccine. <laughs> also, also, how is Larry Doby a Brandon Belt comp? Uh, these are fun. That's I think that's what I think that's what these are for. You know, Zips is is a good projection tool, but the best part of these is always just seeing who connects to who. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I, I, it's so so funny just to, to kind of look through it and yeah. be like, Hey, let's name some guys, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you the one question now, uh, because it's the, it's the thing that everyone's talking about on Twitter. And we kind of teased it a little bit earlier and we talked about it just briefly. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Billy Butler, just like your like emotional reaction to that. Not even like your statistical or like your analytical reaction. When it, whenever I think of Billy Butler, I can only think of that one home run where he like started beef when he was with Oakland. Do you, do you remember this home run? The, I thought you were going to say him getting thrown out of first base by Joey. Pats. I mean, I mean, of course, like you, you, that obviously is in my memory as well. But for some reason, just this, this home run that he hit where he, he's like, he had some beef with the catcher. Then he hits this home run and he's like, Ugh! like he just makes this noise <laughs> after hitting it. And I'm like, I, you know, it's, I have just like such a memory of the noise and i i, I don't of know the noise yeah like not like it, i don't even know can't, can't recall who they were playing uh or what the situation was but i just remember the swing billy but, butler uh, has billy butler has some very strong makes a noise vibes uh that guy's probably a very loud runner yeah he so i just i just really quick trying to find it and i just so i just put in billy butler brawl on google and the first thing that came up new details on fight between danny valencia and billy butler in oakland's clubhouse oh boy <laughs> so they had a, oh my god they had a fight in the locker room well hopefully hopefully wow. we're not getting to that point with vlad where he's fighting oh a danny valencia type in the locker room no not great um just yeah as as far as like i mean if vlad is billy butler i it's over uh, yeah it's that would be unfortunate i know we kind of talked about like the the eric hosmer stuff i think it was last week 
but to have two Kansas City Royals first basemen be one and two here and Mike Sweeney and Billy Butler is uh certainly a result. Mm-hmm. Definitely what you're looking for from the best prospect of a generation. All right. Well, I mean, are are there any other things on on the Zips page that really really stand out to you? Like, I mean, I, I think again, you know, taking it all with a grain of salt for projection systems and and what they are. Like, I think the the pitching comps promising, hitting comps not so promising, hitting projections meh, and pitching projections also kind of not not ideal. But you can kind of see see where it comes from. Yeah, I mean, on the on the kind of grand scheme of things it's a little bit of a disappointing looking team in some respects and other respects i think it basically equals out to roughly an 89 win team so it's a good team it's just kind of a bit it's a bit lacking in the star power thing and the star power category which is not what you're looking for but uh i'd say just broadly speaking this is a team in pretty desperate need of anything resembling a breakout from anybody really. And the other thing I want to flag, this isn't even a discussion point. It's just very funny. If you pull up their depth chart, the image has their left field uh, breakdown as Nathan Lucas, Kevin Biggio, and uh, someone Vargas Shawitz, which is Vargo and Horowitz, uh, sorry, Varsho, Horowitz, and I, I can't really figure out who the third person is, but Vergeshawitz sounds like a triple-A uh, corner outfielder if I've ever heard one, even if he's a, an amalgamation of some other dudes. Is it Rafael Lantigua? Is that who's in the middle there? Oh, your guess is as good as mine, man. I don't know. But uh also love the DH, whole lot of dudes. All right. Um... <laughs> Some some news and notes, Canadian baseball to catch up on just before we, we get out of here. Uh, Mike Soroka traded to Chicago White Sox. Cal Quantrill traded to the Colorado Rockies. And Abraham Toro traded to the Oakland A's. As far as they go, I think the Soroka trade is the most notable. Uh, Toro should get a chance in Oakland to kind of be a full-time guy there uh, for the first time in his career, really. No, you never want to see a pitcher get traded to Colorado. No. <laughs> That's not going to be great for Cal there, but uh, you know, hopefully he, if he can kind of return to that soft contact guy, like maybe he'll be able to, to get some help from, from the Rockies defense. But uh, what, what do you make of the Soroka deal? Uh, Soroka deal. I think it's really fascinating on the, on the white Sox part. They kind of get a, a whole bunch of just, you know, gobbledygook, including Soroka and they toss it at the wall and you're hoping one of these guys sticks uh, Aaron bummer going the other way to, the Braves is compelling in his own right, just based on the the kind of peripheral stuff. Obviously, a six ERA is bad. Uh, no other way to put that. But I would hope that Soroka gets an opportunity in Chicago. It kind of seems like they're headed in the rebuild direction. They obviously started the teardown last year with you know guys like Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito, uh, and then there's discussion now about you know Luis Robert might get dealt. Uh, Eloy Jimenez might get dealt. They just dropped Tim Anderson uh, just the other day. So Soroka is going to get some opportunities and I, I'm hoping that he's able to succeed. I'm not the most optimistic on him. I'm more optimistic than you are, I think maybe. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he's uh, I'm hoping that he can still be like an ace 
or maybe not an ace at this point, but I'm still hoping he can return to that like ace form. Yeah, I think we're talking about it. Like if he's kind of in the like Jordan Montgomery mold, like increases the K's a little bit, um, is kind of a control artist. Like I could I could see him being, you know, kind of in that like number two, number three range. And obviously he'll have that shot with Chicago to to really kind of reestablish himself there. And obviously, you know, I, I think like if if they don't deal Dylan Cease, like maybe being around a guy like that would help. And it, it should be, it should be interesting enough to see how how things turn out from there it'll be great to actually see him like get kind of kind of a full shot and not be buried in in a rotation where you know the Braves are in must win mode so they can't really afford to let a guy work through things as he works back from injury so should be should be interesting to see um yeah as far as some some other Canadian baseball note stuff goes the uh Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame released the list of finalists for the tip o'neill award which should be a really fascinating one this year i mean like nobody i would say really ran away with it um but like i mean just kind of looking through like jordan velazovich is in there i'll I'll just i'll just kind of guess list or run through the list that the the baseball hall of fame uh identified there and it's jordan velazovich tyler black matt brash owen casey vladimir guerrero jr zoe hicks eduard julian Matt Lloyd, Bo Naylor, Josh Naylor, Tyler O'Neill, James Paxton, Nick Pavetta, Zach Pop, Cal Quantrill, Jordan Romano, Michael Soroka, Abraham Toro, <laughs> Joey Votto, Jared Young, Rob. A lot of names. And yeah, Romano won it last year. So those are kind of the main people that they've identified there. I think like looking at it, like Eduard Julian and Josh Naylor are the two that I would decide between to win it. Yeah, sneaky brash, like sneaky outside candidate. Uh, but no, I, I'd say that this is between Julian and Naylor. And uh I think it'd be really fun for uh for noted podcast fave and uh big uh big uh take that pitch guy, uh Edward Julian, big Kevin Gosman, uh uh noted Kevin Gosman foe, Edward Julian to to get some love. He's a guy that I think that all three of us have a respect for, but I think you in particular have really identified him dating back months at this point as a guy that's, that's a really talented ball player. And and we've said it a few times, but feels like he might be the future face of Canadian baseball. Yeah. I mean, Naylor got, got an MVP vote. So, <laughs> you know, he's, he's in there, but, but I think when you kind of look at the body of work for Julian over the course of the season, like obviously he was great for the twins in the playoffs and he was great for them in the regular season, but also with the world baseball classic stuff where he, you know, led the tournament in OPS and was, was like, you know, again, like he was almost the face of that team on a team with Freddie Freeman and Tyler O'Neill and guys like that. Right. So as, as far as that goes, like, I mean, I, I think he would be my pick to win the award but like you know even even when you look at like some of the non-major league people like zoe hicks was really great for she was the women's national team for for baseball canada and she hit i think it was or she slugged like 700 and reached base at 700 clip in the the women's baseball world cup so that's that's pretty crazy pretty good definitely a, a contender there like owen casey and tyler black were both awesome in the minors um you know some some cases there but but i also would say that like julian's full body of work is is really impressive i uh i'm kind of i wouldn't say interested cuz he's not really canadian but 
uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, just I guess he's not eligible because he doesn't show up on their uh, website. Yeah, I I wonder what the the qualification is because obviously you know Vladimir Grudger and you're born in Canada, so that probably is what what gets him in there, right? But uh, yeah, it's it's it, it'll be interesting. Like I mean, uh, you know, in in past years, it kind of felt like. If, if you look at, you know, like, of course, Romano was really great in 2022. Um, you know, and nobody was beating out Vlad in 21. Uh, 2020, obviously, with the pandemic, Jamie Romack wins it there, but still really deserving. Uh, Soroka in 19. And then, of course, you know, just the Joey Votto lifetime achievement, as, as you talked about before we recorded, before that basically grabbing yeah. it almost every single season. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really tight. And I honestly, like, you know, when you when you look back at the award, like, it's, you know, Jason Bay, Russell Martin, Justin Morneau, Joey Votto. Um, I think that this could be kind of like a changing of the guard year, right? Like, obviously, you know, Votto hasn't won since 2017. But, you know, when you look at like a guy like a Julian or a, or either of the Nailers or like a Tyler Black or a Matt Brash, like all these kind of young Canadians coming up, I think it's, it is kind of a spot where it could be like we're going to see like this next great generation of, of Canadian baseball players who have that might have a have a run with the award or have have kind of these long major league careers as they all all come up together. No, for sure. But it's it, there's also something compelling to me about the fact that you know we talk about this group of elder statesmen who I imagine fell in love with baseball around the time the Blue Jays won it all in 92-93. I wonder if because cuz I obviously recall around 2015 it was like an explosion in terms of the popularity of baseball. But I would say in many respects, basketball has jumped leaps and bounds. And we've seen that even in the NBA, not to get too inside baseball here in terms of where Canadian talent has started to kind of call it divest, call it kind of accumulate. I wonder what another big season from the Blue Jays and a, because obviously there's a lot of, you know, anticipation around the team, but it kind of feels like uh, it's flickering because this team has failed to do any damage in the postseason. So I wonder what a team that really captures the heart of the city could do for, you know, another generation of, of ballplayers. Cause it, it's not like there's anyone coming down the pipe. As far as I can tell, maybe Owen Casey that's really poised to be a Joey Votto, Justin Morneau level of player. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, like just kind of thinking about like the World Baseball Classic team where, you know, it was like Bo Naylor, Edward Julian, Denzel Clark, Desan Brown, um, kind of being like this this young group. And I, I think all those guys like have a chance to be to be really good. But as as far as like, I mean, like it's a good point, like MVP level kind of on the Joey Votto, Justin Morneau, like even even Jason Bay was probably like closer like he, he was probably closer to mvp than than maybe people might remember based on how his career ended right but uh yeah i, I think it's an interesting point and obviously that 15 16 team i remember coaching around that time and just remember like the amount of kids coming out and you know they're they're all wearing blue jay stuff right like you got kids showing up like in the joey bautista jersey t-shirt to practice to to tryouts and in, in all these jays jay's gear and obviously like maybe that that has 
taken a taken a, a step back based on the popularity of the Raptors and how how basketball has grown and just kind of the Jays taking that step back. So I I think it's a good point that if like this Jays team can kind of capture, you know, a little bit more of of the the attention, the national attention to just. I, I think that like the, the team has quite a bit of national attention. Of course, obviously it's Canada's team, but I, I think that that you're right that like a, a, a deep playoff run would would do wonders for for kind of what we see from the next next generation. It, it, for sure, it'd be huge. So it, it's really just a matter of because the like Canadian baseball, I think, is in a relatively healthy spot. I think it's it's. Do I, we, I mean, we just saw it, the world baseball classic, like it was a, it was, wasn't an amazing, you know, cycle. It was kind of a turnover year, but there's still a lot of youth kind of pushing through the system. Right. And it's not like when, you know, you, you think back, you know, years and years and years back where you've maybe got a couple of stars and then you're pulling from, you know, here, there and everywhere. And you're kind of scrounging for the periphery of your roster. The, the Canadian team has talent and it has guys enough guys to to field a really talented roster but it it is a case of a lot of guys kind of either at the tail end or the beginning of their careers and there's more of this kind of transitionary phase they're going through right now but they need some more in the pipeline i guess is the way i would put it and i i wonder if that is the case yeah, I, I guess thinking about it too. I mean, from from a strictly Blue Jays perspective, I mean, like it, there's there's an Adam Mako, like Damiano Palmagiani, like kind of kind of guys like that. I I wonder, you know, like if if that's kind of the fifteen sixteen inspiration group that's coming up right now, and then what we see behind them will be will be super interesting for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's too way too early to say. No, you know, the the players that are going to be influenced aren't going to be making their major league debuts until the late twenty twenties. At, at earliest yeah but sure. uh, i do i do wonder what a what a really you know captured imagination could do for this country in terms of baseball yeah well it'll it'll certainly be interesting to see and we'll uh we'll follow along hopefully we can maybe grab grab a couple guests to uh to chat about it but uh that'll do it for us here today at the bird's eye view podcast make sure you drop a follow or review wherever we get your pods uh thanks again to ethan diamandis for joining us today uh you can follow him at twitter at ethan diamandis he is again a blue jays writer for yahoo sports canada you can check out his article the case is for and against the Blue Jays trading Alec Manoa live at Yahoo today. Really appreciate all of his time again. Really great conversation. You can follow us on Twitter. The pod is at BEV underscore pod. Jory is at JNig and Schechter. I am at Warden underscore Zach. And Jake, who is not with us today, is at Jake Brandon underscore. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.